Hello all and welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. I've watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Um, I've 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 watched some wrestling. Um, some could say I I, I, I could watch more wrestling. Um, I I am open to any arguments in favor of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the best argument for more wrestling would be tonight's episode as we return to Boyle Heights, California. <sighs> To the world's weirdest wrestling fight club, Lucha Underground. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> yes, last time we met, which two weeks ago, we, we mm. went to the new generation era. That was fun for nobody. <laughs> that, that was that was painful. I just yeah. like I just like look back at that and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yes, we are we are back. I, we had to miss, David had to miss last week, so I filmed a bonus episode of yes. me playing a wrestling choose your own adventure game you, that's out now you should check that out if you, you have should definitely check that out uh but yeah tonight we are going to cover the next episode of luch underground and this this intro should be very fast because what do i have to talk about kind of nothing because this episode is the next episode after um aztec warfare this is a follow-up by the way to episode nine uh aztec warfare you want to check that out but and that episode was was very kind of like everything kind of feels self-contained in that episode. This is kind of like a new start of like new stuff now that we have our champion, uh, the one and only Prince Puma. Yes, long may he reign. Yeah. So they, they they didn't announce any because it was the only thing on the last show. They didn't like advertise anything for me to like talk about what we're gonna see. I mean, I I know what the matches are because I've seen them online, but that would mm. be no fun to like spoil it if the tv show didn't yeah so like i don't really have anything to talk about in terms of like what we're gonna see tonight because there's nothing really advertised and there's no storylines i think that need to be like we got to make sure we understand where everything is yeah no i mean this is this is directly following up we're uh we're just kind of ready to go yeah so i get i guess i'll just say that uh aztec warfare really fun match um oh god Please, please go listen to episode nine. Like, like this is yeah. one where I definitely implore that you listen to the to the previous episode because Aztec Warfare was a fantastic time. There's a lot of ground to cover in Aztec Warfare, um, mm-hmm. and just we spent the entire back half gushing gushing about how fucking awesome Absolutely. Aztec Warfare is. Absolutely. Um, if you watch, uh, if you're gonna, you should definitely go back and watch that episode. And if you're, I will say that if you're gonna watch like one episode of Lucha Underground to see if you like it, watch Aztec Warfare. Yeah, no, please. Oh God. Yeah, that that is that's just like a good I think I, I think that's just a good intro to professional wrestling in general is mm-hmm. like this is like the peak of what it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so tonight is kind of like a okay, we've all we've we've had our Aztec warfare. Where do we go from here? And uh hopefully tonight we're gonna be able this time we're gonna be able to cover two episodes, because you know, this season is thirty-nine episodes long. I would like to do more than one episode every month. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah, so with that in mind, um hmm, well, I got nothing else to really talk about here. So see see you guys in the back half, I Dang. guess. Oh, uh, this is the, the, the back the back whole show. <laughs> This is a sub four minute front half. Dang, so I'm see excited. You, see you guys when we're done. Yeah, it's gonna be lots of talk. And about. we're back. We have just finished watching Lucha Underground season one, episodes ten and eleven. <sighs> that was a lot. I, I I want I want to clarify off the bat. A good a lot. A really good a lot. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, there was there was a lot of things to go on. I'm glad I chose to do two episodes when I did because mm-hmm. I because I think episode ten was a very much a bit of like a a, a reset kind of an episode. I agree. Um, there, there was there, not nearly as many story beats as there was in episode eleven. Yeah, I mean there was a lot of good fighting, but not a whole lot to like really analyze. Compared with episode mm-hmm. eleven, there's a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean even episode I mean the. So the main thing, uh, we we God, we flip so much on on this show back and forth between like if we talk about like main event first or last, but like since it, in this case, since it is kind of like the main thing to analyze, like um, the big one is main event for. Oh wait, not was it main event for both Drago versus? Uh no, they, no oh that was, no that, that was the main event of the eleven, so that was the last thing we watched. So yeah, I mean, I mean, about that. the big, I mean, yeah, the big one that kind of carries over between the two episodes is we have Drago versus King Cuerno, which, if you recall from our, our discussion episode nine, uh, uh, King Cuerno being kind of like this this big game hunter, kind of think like the luchador equivalent of of like Craven almost, mm-hmm. and kind of represents himself, and Drago is just like a dragon who turned himself mostly human. And so, and so Cuerno's like, you know what I should hunt? Yeah. The dragon man. And it's not as silly as it sounds funny enough. No. Um, he actually, he actually looks cool and it doesn't feel, ho- I said this a lot. Like I said this uh, at another point during the episode too. What I really admire about Lucha Underground is their ability to take these, uh, these kind of like out there concepts and make them not even feel hokey. Like, like early on when we talked about Lucha Underground, I was very much into like, like it, it, these ideas are hokey but they're presented in a fun way but even but now i'm kind of like it's not even like it's not even hokey i take this like decently seriously they do a good job at kind of subbing in the the archetype for the for the like literal idea you know yeah they 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 managed to make it make make it seem serious enough that you want to buy into it being serious mm-hmm. it for concepts that that you like you you on paper like there's no way that you take that completely seriously yeah exactly there's something that's so um oh yeah I, I, later um sorry um uh there's some there's something about um um the the, the just the way they i, I and it, it's kind of a combination of things it's um it's, I think, uh, more than anything off the top, it's very, it's very much the production design. They do a very mm-hmm. good job at, I don't know even what it is, but they do a very good mm-hmm. job designing costume, designing set, um, making it all feel, feel, God, I hate saying like gritty and realistic because it's such a meme, but that's kind yeah, of it, what it is. Um, it, 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 they, they do a good job at making so, that the, the design elements feel grounded. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I kind of think the lack of like direct promo cutting kind of helps in their favor too yeah no no one has to be out no one has to be out there like call like drago doesn't have to like be say do interviews where he talks about being a dragon mm-hmm. <laughs> he just lets the name and appearance do it for him they, they gave him the one vignette where they explain the history of dragons yeah, but after that, they they like don't keep putting it into your head and reminding you of his kind of silly backstory. They they tr- they seem like they trust their audience very much to understand like nonverbal storytelling. Uh, yeah. and and I I appreciate that on on a number of levels. And again, here mm-hmm. it's very effective. Um, so much is communicated between just kind of how um Drago and King Quirino look at each other, how they interact with each other, how they fight with each other, the sort of realism about it all. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, and on top of that. Um, it's, it's very much, um, presented in this, in this very, um, 
straightforward way. Um, there's not a whole lot of contrivance to it. We mm-hmm. we understand the basic concept of what's going on and why, and all the rest is left up left up to the fighting. And for as simplistic as it is, it's deeply affecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Querno has a real presence about him. I think. That, oh, uh, terrifying! Like he is he is so dead set focused mm-hmm. on Drago at all times, like you would be if you were this like hunter. Yeah, no. Who's hunting? Who's stalking his prey as he sees it? He's he's got this he's got this great like kind of sustained intensity about him that never feels forced. Mm-hmm. Um, they they he just has those vibes about him, and it works very much in his favor, obviously. Um, and it then really makes you feel, like it, it again without saying too many words, it makes him a really effective heel. Um, and it makes you really feel for Drago as as he's just kind of slowly overpowered by this dude, like. Even even in the first episode where we have, um, where we have a tie, um, that as far as I could tell was brought about by Drago kind of, um, redeeming himself toward the end and being able to be dominant enough to not like to not get felled by this dude. It it even even in those instances, it feels like he's just barely making it out of those scrapes. Yeah. So so what happens is that in the fir- in their first match, you know, um, um. Uh, Cuerno brings out a table with the intention of, of putting Drago through that table mm-hmm. and the tables are managed to turn and Drago does the first of what we got to see um, of a very classic Lucha underground spot of they, of they run up for people who don't understand is it in the ring is that you have the ring and to the side of the ring, you have Dario Cueto's office. And it's this little building that you can climb on top of. And people love like climbing on top of that thing and jumping off of it. Yeah. And that is what Drago does. He jumps off the roof of the office and puts Cuerno through the table. But in doing so, he knocks himself out too. And the match kind of ends in like, well, they're both knocked out. So that's a draw. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's. It's cool to see stuff like that. The, um, so, something else I've noted very much throughout our, our watching of these things is Lucha does a great job at giving us varied visuals. Um, they, I, I, every every episode we've watched, I've been consistently surprised by some by by several kind of like uh, tableaus they've put in there. Um, like I, I I mentioned to Austin a lot when we were watching. Um, each kind of like uh, pin feels feels like a very distinct look to it, um, uh, and and again we have things like Drago climbing the climbing the office, which is not a thing you see in like really any other wrestling shows. Um, you, I, I mean, the the costume design also helps too, and just like these people look different. We we also have like the the styles in which people fight feel varied. I mean, part of that is mm-hmm. because this is like you know high flying, and we're not we don't get a whole lot of that here in America. But we also have characters like Pimpinella who have this very uh, distinct way of moving. It's all just they do a great job at not letting things ever feel samey, and I no. and I I think that I think that lends so much to why like this is so deeply enjoyable. Oh yeah, it, Lucha Underground is nothing is is nothing quite like anything we have in American wrestling. It's very much I think it's very friendly to American wrestling stylistically, but with a very with a lot of infusions of of lucha libre to create mm-hmm. something very unique and interesting. Yeah, no. Um it, I, and and that's that's what's really cool about it too is um the <laughs> uh, it's it's cool and it's also kind of funny. Like the blend of cultures we get. Um mm-hmm. and it, 
and, and this this shows up in like a, in a number of ways. Uh, we we have things that I kind of find more comical, like um, like we'll get the announcer giving like the authentic like accent pronunciation of somebody's name, and then we get the American announcers repeating it back, and they just totally butcher it. Yeah. Um, uh, but also kind of like the bilingual nature of the show, um, and how it 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 it, it I, I how do I say this like. It doesn't like it, it feels like it does a good job. And obviously I can only speak to this from like one side of the culture equation. It feels like it does a very good job at like not making it feel foreign to anybody who's watching it. Like there's not like a zillion like cultural markers of straight up America or straight up like Latin America that mm-hmm. um, that are going to just like have, you know, whoever's not from that one place scratching their head. It. It, again, the straightforward nature of the show—they don't get caught up in a whole lot of stuff. They're there to fight, and they they present their stories in a in a you know bilingual manner, and that's about all we need. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Um, so, and uh, kind of uh, come back to um, like, uh, where Drago and uh, King Cuerno, which is the only—they they fight twice. They fight each in each episode. Mm-hmm. And they they get a follow up in what is a, called a last man standing match. It's, I'm sure I've referenced at some point on here, but if I, just to be safe, is that it's basically a match where instead of the goal where you pin your opponent, your goal is to basically knock them out to the point that they cannot answer a ten count. Mm-hmm. And I, I I complained to David about this when we watched it, and and I, I, I'm not saying the match wasn't bad, but. My biggest problem with last man standing matches is that by nature of how the match works, it lends itself to kind of a very slow pace of like, all right, you hit a big move and then you're waiting mm-hmm. close to 10 seconds for the other guy to get up. Yeah. And then you're going to hit another and then you tell somebody hits another big move and then you <laughs> wait because it's not like it's like, is not advantageous to like chain keep the pace up and chain moves together the way you'd see in a traditional match because you know you want to win the match as soon as you can so you know you're going to hit a move and like well is that enough yeah you're not going to you're not going to try to do something else until you know it isn't i'm kind of of two minds about this subject because on one hand we have uh we have exactly the complaint you had where i was kind of watching it and it kind of drags it out and i'm like okay come on like like mm-hmm. there were so many false endings and i'm like oh nope we're still going okay well, we're going but but at the same time for at least for this match i'm sure i'm mm-hmm. sure like it's on a very case by case basis but for this match specifically it did kind of lend to the tension and the brutality of the match to just have it kind of keep chugging on and just watch uh watch drago slowly get overpowered um, yeah, I, yeah. I, that I think that like the, the the intensity and the skill of of Cuerno and Drago help helps a lot to kind of make that make those slower periods feel a little more interesting. But yeah, it has issues of dragging. I think until kind of like the end when they're starting to kind of get through one of th- their biggest moves to mm-hmm. reach the conclusion, which was and this it was it was kind of a I think a very fun kind of way to end the match. At first you have draw is is Cuerno brings the table out again mm-hmm. to kind of prove that he can do this correctly. And they they even fake you out and make you think he's going to fail again, but then he pulls he succeeds but it's not enough. Drago gets back up again. And so Cuerno's next solution is what if I just tie Drago up onto the ground? 
to the ground so he can't get up. <laughs> yeah. And Which, again, a thing you don't really see a whole lot in these things. So, again, it just varies it up and makes no, it memorable. I, I've seen it. I've, yeah. seen, I've seen exactly like one time. I can think of one other match where they've tried something like that. Yeah. Uh, John Cena and Batista had a match where John Cena taped Batista's legs together. <laughs> For the same for the same purpose of like I mean, oh, but even I then, even then, up. those are those are kind of like distinct aesthetics from each other, like tape versus yeah. like cord rope. Yeah, no, he like he wraps it around, he wraps it very loosely around his neck and his mouth, mm-hmm. and then and also he doesn't just leave it be like for, for he like yanks he the ropes while 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 Drago's getting counted down. He pulls. Yeah, no. Um, and it, again, the 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 brutalism is definitely starting to show. Um, the the amount of times you watch Drago kind of get slammed toward the end of that episode, you do you do kind of start to at least I did kind of start to sympathetically feel it almost in my like deep in me. Like, damn, this is just like over and over. Um, and kind of segueing off that, um, the you know, Austin was talking about like, you know, this is a show that starts to kind of get really brutal in the violence it depicts. And we had another great example of that. Um, with, with a cigar to the eye. Oh Lord. Yeah. I like, I'm sure if I had taken the time to really remember things, I would have remembered this because mm-hmm. big Rick has a very icon gets an eye patch and <laughs> he like, wears that the rest of the show? I would know. And like I would have remembered that at some point if I really tried, but I didn't remember that this happened at this point in the show. But okay, so the start of episode eleven, you know, the uh, his crew, Mister Cisco and Sis uh, and uh, Cortez oh. Castro. That's it. They they have a match with Pimpinella, Escarlata, and and Masquerita Sagrada, which is kind of fun. Which is a fun match. It's it's. I, I love it. Yeah, you know, they're they're you have some fun characters, but it's mostly there to kind of be like, look how like strong these the the crew are you know, I know. Cisco and cortez and then rick comes down to kind of be like kind of you know mack it up and kind of be and, and emphasize that you know that he's in charge here but ho 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 how oh how the turn tables because the cisco cortez and bale all uh betray big rick and beat him down and eventually you know, Big Rick has a signature cigar that he kind of carries around with him and smokes in the middle of the show. Cisco grabs the cigar and just and just uh, burns his eye. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Which which just it was it was this great shock moment because it came out of nowhere. Like you don't realize like it doesn't you don't think like they're going to like betray each other or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like and then and then later it's revealed this is all kind of a Dario plot. Yeah, to get, to get Big Rick out of the way, and of course he makes a bad pun about it. Yeah, no, he's like, yeah, Big Rick couldn't see how great how great of a, of a partnership me him and me could have had, but now he's not seeing much of anything. Ah, uh, God! Again, Dario <laughs> continues to be this great, like, ultimate bastard character. No, yeah, so he like paid off all of Rick's minions to betray him. Yeah. And turns I mean, Rick, the, the power of money. Yeah, and it turns Rick into a sympathetic character, which is interesting after he was kind of the first major established villain of the show. Wait, does he turn face for this? I don't remember <laughs> quite. Like, I don't remember, like, how fa- how much of a face he becomes over this. 
yeah. But Fair. but like this is definitely like for a character the for the first ten episodes is very much kind of like the all a, a quasi final more of a mid boss I guess in a final yeah boss. because hard boss he's he was a final boss and then like Mel Muertes showed up and so he's like oh I guess you're a mid boss now gonna yeah but like he's still kind of like a spoke he's kind of been portrayed as kind of a monstrous figure to deal with and dominant figure and now like he's a good and now he's he's getting sympathy exactly for, for this brutal beatdown it, it's uh it's definitely like a pretty easy um sympathy point to to kind of carry with you yeah. um but again interesting they do it on big rick of all people yeah that was kind of a surprise i'm like oh yeah oh uh-huh, i see and yeah dario's making was making some plays this episode gonna gonna kind of uh segue that into his other to the main event of the first episode which was very because in this episode dario's all like hey i have outsmarted you with money <laughs> but in oh, the first what? But in the first episode, I just realized Dario's a, a like much more compelling Ted DiBiase. <laughs> a kinda, because DiBiase was almost a little too focused on the money aspect of it. I think. Yeah, I mean Dario does that too, but not like to the same cringy. No, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's uh, there's more dimensions to Dario than there is to Ted DiBiase. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, in the first episode, Dario Cueto shows up to also cause some trouble because you know. He's he's not he's he his his partnership with Conan from previous episodes is kind of dissolved over time. Mm-hmm. But he's like, well, I don't really like that Conan's boy is the champion, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk up Ray uh, Phoenix. Be like, hey, you beat your you beat Prince Puma, so you should be the first man to challenge for Puma's title. So he's Im- yeah. he's immediately pitting. Um, um, uh, Prince Puma against a, a pretty top ch- challenger, all things considered. And I do like, I really like that. Um, um, it's not played as like Phoenix is turning like evil, sinister on Puma like immediately. Like it's no. just like, no, boss man has a has a challenge for me. I'm gonna rise to the occasion. Yeah, because Phoenix is because Phoenix once Dario starts starts kind of he he tries to make it a little more overt of an idea of like hey you know we we could be great together and he's like no 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 I'm no I'm fi- I fight for me I'm, I'm yeah. not fighting for you I'm not I'm not mean, going yeah, down that I'm not going down that rabbit hole I will get I will, I will say it was nice that I was able to like pretty much understand the entirety of his speech like even without close captions yeah. Yeah, because because Ray Phoenix did uh, spoke in Spanish as part of the uh, the show being bilingual, which is it's something I always I always really appreciate about the show is that, that like they weren't a, for a show that airs on a, a admittedly uh, El Ray network, but oh, it, yeah, but it isn't, but it is still an English language channel that they were mm. not afraid to have people who are not as comfortable speaking English or are not fluent in English at all, like Pentagon Junior, for example. Yeah, allowing them to still like. If they ha- if it makes sense for the moment to cut a promo in Spanish and they just put sub and they subtitle it, mm-hmm. I, I always appreciated that that they they were that they didn't try to make them do English did speak English or not let them talk at all if they couldn't. Yeah, no, it feels it, it feels it feels it feels respectful and mm-hmm. uh, I hate I kind of hate to say this because it feels like such like a brand thing to build. It feels like like authentic too, like you know mm-hmm. it. It again, it doesn't feel like 
for for it's funny because as for as clearly like this is the most fake of all the wrestling shows in a way but not none of it feels forced to me at least not so far um which is uh, i think a really um a really uh, great testament to the strength of its of its writing and the strength of its of, of its presentation none of this feels like particularly hokey or forced despite the fact that literally all the backstage segments have the same friggin' cinematography as a soap opera. Yeah, and and all the characters are bonkers. Yeah, or at least most of the characters. Well, a lot, a lot of the characters are in are like insane things for a wrestling show. Yeah, these. Uh, I mean, I mean, more this day and age, more you know, more companies kind of pick up on those sort of things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have you have characters like Chris Statlander in AEW, who's supposed to be an alien. But like, either way, um, it's it's um, it's it's just nice how um, how everything is done in in a way that they don't they don't push in any like in any direction other than just we want to tell a good story. There mm-hmm. there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of like weird shit behind it, unlike the vibes you get from your from your WWEs of the world. Mm-hmm. Which but, like it, the 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 thing I kind of like think about is like is like I wonder how much of like my deep enjoyment of something like lucha is colored by like the most dominant wrestling company being the kind of most like problematic and like inconsistent in its quality. And then I turn on something like AEW or or Lucha, which is really, really consistent. Um, and it just like it's just really nice. It feels so much nicer. And I wonder how much of that is like is like the fact that it really is exceptional, how much of it is like, God, this is such a nice breath of fresh air. But I mean, yeah, it's a really nice breath of fresh air. I mean, I th- I think that's a very fair idea. Is that you know, is part part of the problem of, of WWE, even even in a historic like they've been around for so long. Mm-hmm. And there are so many hours that, like, it's just—it's just so. It's, it 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 does. It is a lot more hit and miss in a lot of ways than something like AEW in its short history and Lucha Underground in its short history were both were are and were generally more consistent. I think. Mm-hmm. And they're and they're um, not the only ones I could name off that I think like oh there's a lot more there's a lot greater consistency there. But I think that I think Lucha Underground's consistent quality adds it helps a lot because it helps it, you i think stay invested in stuff yeah and and also like the shortness of the episodes i after watching um and i might have said this in pre- past loot episodes but after watching some like shorter like wwf episodes and having it feel having them feel like so much nothing how much they're able to cram into what like 45 to 45 minutes to an no, hour they're for, they're, they're, it's 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 it, it would have aired over an hour but of course if you take commercials out it's only yeah, 45, 45 minutes. minutes yeah and how much they're able to cram into those like 45 minute spaces um with again without it ever feeling like overstuffed or anything i don't know how they pull that off um aside from again the fact that they're not they're they're just focused on having good matches a lot more than like you know cutting the promos um yes like like yeah i mean i I think that it's the the fact that they don't have time they don't even have time to like have these lengthy like promo bits i think helps Mm -hmm. a lot in pacing yeah because i think the closest thing we get to that in this episode is in episode 10 we get the chavo guerrero blue demon kind of like finale 
to this whole little feud. Like episode episode nine has the has the like their as the catharsis of Blue Demon Junior coming back, mm-hmm. and then this episode is is very it's very much a finale a, a final like a final sticking point to the whole thing mm-hmm. of where Chavo Guerrero sets up in the ring and he and he's like I want to apologize to Blue Demon Junior. Yeah, shockingly, his apology isn't authentic. Yeah. And I kind of I, I made fun of it when we watched it, and I can't help it. I'm sorry, but it's just a very overused trope of wrestling when he heals. I mean, that's like, a, that's a fair that's a fair thing to make fun of, though. Like that, like it's a very overused trope in wrestling of heels saying, being like, "I want to apologize," and then they like finish the sentence, and it's something stupid. I'm Usually, sorry, I didn't destroy you sooner. Yeah, basically, it's like I'm sorry. He he goes like, "I'm sorry." He's like, "I'm sorry, I didn't." rip your mask off <laughs> yeah like jesus christ it's like bro <laughs> and i appreciate that bleed demon jr wasn't an idiot about it where he like he shows up but he's, he spends the whole time being like very suspicious and then yeah when chavo decides to like go full mask off about it but blue demon is able to just like see it coming and kick his ass and that's that yeah Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, it didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome overall. Mm-mm. I mean, honestly, the the, uh, the one I found to be longer than that was the was the uh, the Cage interview. Um, yeah, a little bit, uh, a little bit. Yeah, and I th- I think it's because Cage is the most comfortable in terms of like pro- show projecting himself in that way in that kind of a setting. So it did. It was. It's, what, it's so funny it because great. yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's funny too because like. That was the most underwhelming part of the two episodes was just like Cage giving this like kind of milk toast like, yeah, I'm going to kick some ass interview where like he doesn't really present a character. It, it like I, I said this to you when we were watching, but like the in-ring persona versus like the guy we see interviewing feel like two very different people because yeah. in-ring big bulky dude is like glaring all the time and like staring down at you and just ready to like humble you. But like when he's in an interview, he's like really calm. And he's like he's talking with like you know the kind of like folksy whatever to to his to the way to his his mannerisms and uh and not not that not all that deep a voice not all that intense a thing like and I don't even want that over the top of character I just want like I just want it to match you know yeah like and I guess we should explain so like at the start of the, the first episode we watch episode oh, yeah. ten is that you get is that we have an excite of a four-way match to introduce four new characters which are uh aerostar are hennis and helico and uh and cage and the match is really there to like it's there to give all of them a little bit of shine but at the end of the day it's about cage because cage beats all three of them mm-hmm. and he's there to kind of be presented as like oh man look at this guy <laughs> this, this dude this guy right <laughs> This yeah, this this guy, this guy who who the roidiest of magoos, um, <laughs> and like and like we'll see a lot more when we actually get to see Kate when we see as we see Cage. But one of Cage's kind of most insane things is he looks like the kind of guy who Hulk Hogan would have fought in the eighties, but he moves as at ad he's as agile as anybody in Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. despite looking like an absolute tank i mean that's just kind of that's just kind of to be expected in lucha underground for me at this point mm-hmm. like even the big bulky dudes are agile as hell yeah 
And so he he wins the match, and then he he and he present, and then he shows up after the main event of the of the of, of episode ten, which is a, a, a Phoenix and and Prince Puma, which Puma wins, and and he just shows up and just beats the fuck out of out of Prince Puma. <laughs> it's it's just it's it's just bad. Like Puma Puma gets his ass. Whooped. No, he's he's destroyed. It's he's and the message, of course, is clear that he. I would like a shot at the title, please. Yeah. Hmm, I wonder I wonder uh what to what nefarious end Dario's gonna use that. Hmm. Yeah, Dario doesn't have any explicit connection to Cage at this point, but I mean, you know, very convenient timing for Cage mm-hmm. to just show up after Prince Puma won the championship. And Dario still has stacks of money that he can just throw around at whatever person he wants to bribe. Mm-hmm. But then that, uh, and that's what led into the sit down interview of, of the, in episode eleven with where they're like, "All right, Cage, what are you all about here, man? Because you just kind of yeah. destroyed our champion." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, right, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of here to, to to kick some ass, and I kicked his ass, and there we go." No, but the best part was our was, was my joke of is that so every time he's introduced, he's not introduced as Cage, even though that is his name. They always go, they call him Cage. and he gives an explanation for that which is they call him cage because people realize that he's not a man he's a machine get used to that by the way (laughs) get used to he's not a man he's a machine but then i was like a cage isn't a machine machine. (laughs) it's like you can have like mechanized cages but like inherently like that's not the default no, and you don't think of a cage when you think when you think machine. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It's it, again the wrestling hokiness. Uh, even even Lucha can't help but have some like dumb words sometimes. No, but like that's that that was funny to me. Of like, cage isn't a machine. Why? Yeah. Why? Why did people go? Why did? Why we? Why we, Why did when people realize that you were a machine, they start calling you cage? <laughs> Why didn't they? I mean, I don't even know like what else to call like what else like like. I guess robot would be a good one, but like that doesn't feel very. No, that, that I don't, I don't know. That feel that if if this was a show that wanted to play that more explicitly of him being like literally a robot. Yeah, but I mean, if anyone could pull it off, it'd be Lucha. But uh, yeah, but spoiler warning: they don't play him off as like literally a ro an android of some sort. No, he just he just big dude. He's just a big dude who is a machine metaphorically. Large man. <laughs> Humongous. Yeah, no. Um it, I mean th- that's that's fine. A little bit of a flop in an otherwise great set of episodes. Like, yeah, whatever. Like yeah. it was it was it was boring for a few minutes. It's fine. We still had funny things to laugh about. Austin had a great great line, you know. Um but but all the rest, like I mean, even his fight too, like the the that first fight in episode ten, it was a good um, match. And it was it was a good match, even with like no context for who these people are. Um, it it worked, like it was it was great. They all kind of like had these great styles that were all distinct and all played off each other really well. Um, really impressive work from all of them. A particular standout to me was Angelic and Helico. Yes, Angelico, Mister Angelico, Mister Neon, dude, Neon yeah. Green. 
-hmm. neon green uh he's like flopping around everywhere uh he's he's got this very kind of like i've 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 described other wrestlers this way too but like he's got this really rubbery wave kind of like bouncing around the um bouncing around the ring um additionally he he he, uh he sells really well like whenever he gets knocked down he just he just goes for it and it's really hammy and over the top but it also doesn't like feel that fake like he's he he just sells well and he just happens to sell in a very over the top way but it doesn't make it feel bad uh which is which is cool so i i i especially enjoyed watching him oh Uh, yeah that was that was he was a fave of mine with that kind of like foursome Mm -hmm. and then i guess i guess i guess go chronologically we go from here uh Mm -hmm. we we covered most episode 10 because as i said it was a very thin episode overall Mm-hmm. And which I, that's fine. You know, not, not every episode can be like, wow, holy shit. Like there's but again, like 30 things you gotta talk about. Yeah. It was a very, it was very, it wasn't like it was bad or boring or anything. It's just kind of, mm-hmm. it was just kind of like, a, all right, take a breath. We just did Aztec warfare. Let's yeah. roll for one week. Yeah. That's what happens when you, when again, you have efficiency in your writing. Mm-hmm. And like the big thing was uh, the big, the, really the big thing was was, was uh, Phoenix and, and uh, Prince and Prince Puma, which was a really solid match. Good, yeah, really, really, really well done. I mean, they've already established themselves as really good fighters. Um, there, there were just great moments overall. Um, there was a there was a moment that I I didn't like pick up on it, but Austin did of of Puma missed the opportunity to do something, and Austin made the comment about like about like oh he's gonna get crap for that later. And I thought about that for a second. I'm like, yeah, that is the sort of thing for um, oh god, what, Conan, I, for Conan to to like to give him shit for. And I could foresee that being a backstage segment where he's like, he's like, what the hell were you doing? Get your head, you know, sort of yeah, sort no. of that sort of thing. Um, and again, a really good a really great example of how you take um, how with not a whole lot of talking, um, very subtextual, very physical. Uh, very, very much kind of like you have to be paying attention to, to kind of what's going on around everything. Um, a great example of how uh, simple, straightforward in-ring stuff can feel very effective to kind of the, the backstage A-plot. Yeah, and and basically the story, it kind of feds and fed into like the o- overarching story. Like the spot I'm specifically mentioning is that like Puma was going up for a four fifth for his signature move, the four fifty splash, and Ray Phoenix was rolling away from where he would land. What was rolling towards Pentag- uh, Puma, so he would be unable, he, so Puma would miss, and like Puma has like no sense of awareness that this is happening. Because he's he's busy, he's focused getting up on on the top rope, so he's not really looking at at um at at Phoenix, and he and so Phoenix is able to kind of get out of the way without Puma noticing that, and so Puma does the move, and there's nobody there, and he and he just lands. Yeah, and and that's the the Mario is like, man, you gotta have Conan's gonna get at you for not having better awareness. They're yeah, like, no, like Phoenix is moving, you got to adjust and do something else. This this show is really good at establishing ideas that you can just kind of tell are going to pay off later. Mm-hmm. Um, like this, the the victory, you know, um, Puma not being felled by this first challenger that Dario throws at him, um, You that just sets, that just makes the stakes even greater for the next time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even, even um, um, Big Rick coming in, or no, not 
Big Rick Cage, Cage. coming in and Cage coming in and like beating up on him. Um, even so, even though we see like him getting knocked knocked down uh, during this match, it's still like that still sets up like, oh damn, this is going to be a challenger for the future, and he's going to be a tough one to surmount because he's going to probably be like one on one with him. Um, it, it that those stakes feel set up. Um, you know, between episodes ten and eleven, the the uh, 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 Quirno versus Drago thing feels very much like set up and payoff. Um, whole, uh, I, you know, the big Rick thing is going to come back. Um, just a whole lot of really good. And, and, and you felt other things paying off from, from earlier episodes too. I mean, sexy stars arc just continues to continues to kind of like span. And with each one, that kind of like thing for fighting for respect in this, in this world. Um, it's, it's, that that's been carried over from like her very first appearance. And as far as I remember the very first episode, yeah, um, it, they, the, the through line here is so consistently maintained. It's, it, it, it's impressive and it's satisfying, deeply mm-hmm. satisfying to watch play out. Yeah. This, 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 ep- these episodes kind of had a lot of, had a lot of like matches between guys who are kind of jobbers and people who are not. Yeah. And I think, th- I think that works for kind of being able to like establish some characters as kind of like important to pay attention to sexy star being one and getting a match with El Mariachi, Mariachi Loco. Which, which I want to give so much credit to because a great match to watch. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's Lucha. So of course it is. Um, but also something I pointed out to you while we were watching, um, for some reason they had they had like uh, mariachi loco like aggressively macking on on, yeah, yeah, uh, on sexy like, star like like like, like yeah. borderline sexual assault. Um, he, he was doing some some unwarranted gyrations. Yeah, it was it was, but the narrative never really was like ah it's cute ah it's ah, flattering it's ah, yeah like, boys will be boys it never did that like, nah, it, it, was... it kind of kept sexy in a <laughs> such a silly name to say along with the sense like it kept sexy in this in this great like sense of empowerment throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. of um of the focus is never on like the potential eroticism of her getting like of her getting like skeeved on by this dude um but 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 it said like it just kept going like no treat this woman with respect and that's what the narrative said to us again without them ever turning to the camera and with a mic in their hands and saying this is the moral of the story it's it's brilliant (laughs) yeah and like uh thankfully they don't really like do that the whole match it's very much a bit of an early match thing to kind of that's that's also true that's also true it 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 didn't drag on it's kind of it was kind of there to establish Mariachi Loco as kind of a cleared like villain here, but like once stuff got serious, he kind he stopped doing it too, and it was a lot more of a bit of a serious encounter. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I appreciated that because I didn't really need it to continue on. And I love what they said too, um, because because you know in like her very first promo, uh, Sexy Star was talking about like you know. I faced a lot of trials and tribulations in my life of uh, a lot of them coming from my gender. Um, and mm-hmm. so by in kind of embarking on this journey with Lucha underground, it is my desire to, to be an example to like, to like girls everywhere that you can, you can rise above the crap that you get and be like me, a sexy star. Yes. But then at the end of the match, when she, when she rose triumphant, um, the announcers made a, made an explicit point to say, uh, she's an example for for 
men or for women, men, girls, boys, everyone everywhere. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, dang, they're like they're they're not making this just like only, you know, only girls can look, you know, can can look mm-hmm. up to girl fighters like, no, they're unisexing. That's great. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah. And 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 Luch- and uh, I, I like sexy star is very much. She's very much like the heart of Lucha Underground oh my in God. terms of her like motivation and drive and like who she is. Yeah, even more than Puma, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Puma's, um, the, Puma's the hometown boy and, and kind yeah. of the top guy, but like Sexy Star's got is the heart of it all. Yeah, no, he like Puma's kind of like the, the main protagonist, but Sexy Star's is, is kind of like this great secondary lead who who just has just just as so far a really well done story and impressively respectful writing in all mm-hmm. aspects of like kind of what she's been given to work with so far yeah. and yes please more of this again a really nice breath of fresh air after how we see a lot of lady wrestlers being treated in a lot of the uh, uh <clears throat> previous media we have we'll, we have here to work we'll get to a good we'll get to good i know women. i know we will and i don't mean to like just make every no, time i talk about like no, women wrestlers fine. on the show like ragging on the divas but like but i'm just saying like like I mean, after if- seeing how bad it can get this is so nice. It is, and I, I'm the one who's 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 making you experience all the worst of it. Yeah, but, but again, like that's just a byproduct of the era. Like it yeah. sucks, and and I hate it. But but it's but I I it's it's satisfying to know we get to a better place. But the, I do what I do appreciate about this is like whereas in like modern WWE and AEW, uh, lady wrestlers are um, treated you know, effectively no different than, than, than dude wrestlers. They're all superstars and they're all like, mm-hmm. they just like fight in different like leagues. What I, what I appreciate about the sexy star storyline is like, they do make it about like her being a woman. Um, they acknowledge like the struggles along with that, but they don't do it in any sort of patronizing way. They're able to find this really nice balance to how they write it, where it it doesn't feel like, you know, our slash men writing women. Um, it feels, <laughs> it, it feels like legitimate and it feels like yeah. she's treated with respect on this show. Uh, and I uh, deeply appreciate that balancing act of doing both because that's a surprisingly hard thing to do. And they, they accomplish it and make it look easy as hell to, to do writing like that. And it's great. Mm-hmm. God, yeah. I, I just, I just want to point out like the difference in tone of me speaking like this episode versus last episode, just yeah, like no. the, the emotional, the like the emotional like disparities that this world can take me to are are <laughs> it is astounding. A, professional wrestling is a wide and varied place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. Yeah. Oh boy. But now is 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 after uh is we we talked a lot about some of your favorites such as uh, sexy and, and mariachi loco. Let's let's mm. move to my, let's segue to my man. Please, I want to Pent- hear Pentagon Junior. Oh, because mm. he also got he also got a spotlight in this in this show of soup against Superfly, who is of course a jobber, so it's mostly there to kind of like make Pentagon look good. I mean, Superfly had his moments, and and it was. Yeah entertaining but it was a very much like a hey you know who's important pentagon jr <laughs> i mean they do a good job making him scary that's impressive yeah no he he's pentagon jr has a really is really good there's almost something methodical about it and not in the same way that that um not and not in the same way that cuerno's methodical mm. 
and I and I think that and and I'm trying not to you know project too much here, but I like like is, if Cuerno is is kind of like this like folk intensity because he's like this hunter, he's like focused on this goal. Uh, Pentagon can almost kind of be like sadistic in his own in his focus, and that's going to get emphasized a lot more going on going forward because we haven't gotten to like Pentagon's signature thing that he picks up in this show, but. But Pentagon likes hurting people. <laughs> well, uh, you, you say that, and, and it's really interesting because I was think I, I'm thinking about like the brutality of the Querno match, um, and there was something that was kind of deeply cold and emotionless about it. Like mm -hmm. it felt it like obviously there was like a bit of sadism thrown in there, but it overall felt very just kind of like this is what he has to do, and he's just doing it because that's his job, and that's. I mean, he likes his job, and he likes he likes fight he likes hunting the dragon, but it's still very like calculated and cold, and not like carried out out of some like personal vendetta. It's just like he's the best game to hunt. But yeah, no, thinking about watching the Pentagon match, he reveled in that. Oh no! Like he he like he hits hard, and he likes oh, and he and 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 he's a he's almost a monster to have to deal with and he's very fun to and i find him very fun to watch and compelling mm -hmm. to watch and this and he's and we're not again as i said we're not even we're not even we're on our we're on the ascent here because yeah. the first nine episodes he's not he doesn't really get a whole lot to do because he mostly is kind of stooging for chavo guerrero <laughs> which to actually was kind of i get it because like a little uh other world um context here is that like before Lucha Underground, in AAA, uh, Pentagon Jr. was kind of a jobber-ish. Like he was oh, more—he was kind of—he was at the very least a low card guy. He wasn't significantly important. And I think that the first nine episodes of the show do a lot to kind of like—he kind of fills that same spot of being like, yeah, sure, he looks cool, but he's like not important. Mm -hmm. But this show. And I don't, and I don't quite know why they decided to do it, but I'm glad they do. They kind of give him a bigger spotlight, and he takes it and runs with it. And this is kind of the start of that, of him getting a major spotlight in his own way to be a star and be this kind of ep and this great character and star per character. Yeah, and he but, takes it and runs with it clearly. No, he, he beat he just he and he dismantles Superfly, and then he also gets to mm. he hints at things to come. If he's like, well, he's like, well, Chavo is a piece of shit. Shouldn't, mm. have, shouldn't have trusted him, but he's like, don't worry. There's one man who is willing to work with me, and leaves it and leaves it as a as a mystery of like, who is this one dude who is willing to work with this guy? I. Am I correct in guessing that's probably going to be Mil Mortes? Do I want to, do I want to give you any hints of where we go? Mm. I mean, if you want to leave it a mystery, that's fine. I'm, I'm going to leave it a mystery of where okay. uh, of where Pentagon's story goes. Alrighty, I'm excited then. Oh, okay, that's going to be interesting. Ooh. But yeah, this was. I think this was a nice little spotlight for Pentagon Junior, and I'm mm -hmm. very excited to see him continue to get featured more as we go on. Yeah, no. And I also want to give a quick shout out to his costume design too. Like I've been talking a lot of the, about the production design in this episode. Um, I, I really appreciate his costume design because like it's one of those costumes that feels like it could have felt overwrought to me, but it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It feels like sleek and nice to look at and not like overdone because it's you know it's vaguely like he's a 
you know, samurai shogun or whatever, you know, he comes. Yeah, he's got this like, he's got this like, yeah, this quasi nin, uh, martial artist ninja costume. Yeah. But then also like skeleton face paint. Yeah, but nice, nice, simple black and like black and white color palette. Not a whole lot of like super intricate like design. Like feeling we need to like throw just like random details on there to make it feel more like legit or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, it's 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 a nice it's a nice design, and that's the case for like for just all of the they're they're just nice to look at. No, yeah, they are. There's a, there's a lot of really cool visuals to Lucha Underground. So I get Lucha Libre in general. To be honest, I think oh, that. That's that's a big benefit of Lucha Libre is like visually it's very fun to 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 walk, look at. They embrace stylism in a way I've I've yet to see any other like wrestling company really do. Um, the, the again the kind of outlandishness of some of the concepts lends itself to that. Uh, you know the the bright colors that pop, um, costumes that are that that are sleek and don't like. Like they're they're a little more costumey in, in you know what they wear than than something like um, WWE is on the reg, um, but they all look sleek. They don't feel over designed. Uh, they don't like they don't feel cumbersome. Or the parts that are cumbersome, they take off the fight, um, and everything looks like it has a nice kind of like production value to it. Um, nothing feels cheap. Nothing feels forced. It, it just this is a show that just like from top to bottom feels like it, it's had so much love and care put into its put into its production and it shows it mm -hmm. so shows and i i just i love it i love watching every second of this show and god i wish it were still on air because damn <sighs> it's so nice it's yeah. so good and entertaining and fun without me ever feeling dragged into that like dark recess in my mind it's like well this is dumb well this is problematic oh shit what are we doing here guys yeah. what no, it never goes there. It's surprising. It's nice to look at. It's 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 thoughtful. It's it's everything I could want in a show like this. And mm -hmm. I will say that until I until I'm blue in the face with every freaking lucha episode we do. Yeah, no. As as I, I say this every time we do this, but lucha underground is my favorite wrestling thing. That yeah, I've seen, and this, and and it shows it every time we go we come back to this. It's up there for me. I'm still not sure if, if AEW beats it out for me, but but Lucha is like at the very least, Lucha's the one that feels the simply most nice. Just nice and easy. Everything about it is 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 easy to process while still being, you know, you know, layered and, and thoughtful in, in what it presents. Mm -hmm. Um and you just gotta, you just get to sit back and watch just uh, forty-five minutes of straight-up fighting, a little bit of with a little bit of soap opera drama, and it's great and it's fun. It is uncompromisingly fun. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap up, I wanted to, I want to bring up uh, kind of the most like what the fuck moment of the whole week of this mm -hmm. of these episodes, which we managed we we didn't talk a whole lot about. Um, Ray Phoenix and uh, and uh, Prince Puma just because like the mat is because there's not a whole lot narratively to say about it besides it's really good, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but the the way it ends is absolutely oh, insane. This, this Where, is great. Okay, so they what happened? What Phoenix has um, Prince Puma kind of like sitting on on the top rope, kind of kind of a, kind of a kind of like 
winded, I guess would be the rest word for it. And so Phoenix runs over to the other end of the ring and jumps on the top rope. And his crazy ass decides he's going to run across the top rope. And you understand that's actually very, that's very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. That in itself is nuts. Mm-hmm. But Prince Puma, he gets up, he jumps on the top rope himself, and then kicks Phoenix in the face off of the top rope. <laughs> yep. While he's on the rope himself. It's absolutely insane. And I've me describing it doesn't do justice to how like I watched it and I was like, what the fuck did he just do? And it happens so quickly too. It kind of takes you a second to realize what all just transpired, but you're just like, okay. Yeah, and but then it, he, and then and then that sets allows him to do the 450 and win. Yeah. But it was like, whoa, man. <laughs> and they and they make it look so effortless. They're all so damn talented. Oh, this is yeah. so good. Nah. What? Why, why should I be surprised? And I, I talked up, you know, Ray Phoenix is the most physically ins- gifted human being, I feel like, on the show, and Puma's up there. And I'm like, why, why should I be surprised by the things they pull off? Yeah, no. But, but, like, I mean, everybody on this show is some level of, like, insanely gifted in the physical mm-hmm. beats they can perform. And, and they do a really good job flexing it, too. Again, just fun, 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 fun. God, this is fun. Very fun indeed. Uh, so, next time, I think we'll also be fun as okay. we re- as we return to uh, the Attitude Era as we we are we are turning for the clock into 1998. And so, oh, really? and you know, and is if you look at kind of um, kind of the big moments for for what made WWE popular in the late 80s is that is when they were able to get celebrity involvement. You know, Cindy mm-hmm. Lauper. Mr. T, really big stars of their day. And 1998 is when uh, they hook up with someone of us of an equal caliber. And, you know, in 1998, uh, Mike Tyson was currently suspended from boxing after biting a man's ear off. Right. So WWE is like, well, what if we got Mike Tyson on our show? Hmm. And... So we're going to watch January 18th, 1998, where Mike Tyson is here and he gets face to face with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay, that 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 does sound interesting. Okay, I'm here for it. But and so that will be next time. But David, hit the plugs. Yes, sir. All righty, my friends. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. As always, delighted to have you join us on this wild, wacky adventure. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. We are we are so glad you decided to, to pop in with us and hope you continue to do so. If you would like to continue to do so, uh, there are a number of ways in which you can follow us to keep hearing our content on a regular basis. One, you can, uh, you can subscribe to us on YouTube, the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. You can find our podcast on Spotify. Apple, uh, and Google, um, and uh, YouTube as well and YouTube as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, follow us on the podcast platforms, leave, you know, leave likes, leave comments, um, uh, leave reviews on the podcast platforms. Again, uh, all these little things to, they, they really help boost our engagement. And Hey, if you enjoy the show, if you want, you can make it a nice little comment, nice little review, you know, that that five stars. Ooh, we, we love that stuff. Oh, we, we were eternally grateful. Engagement. 
Yeah, exactly. So many, so many great buzzwords. Um, uh, if you'd like to follow us on socials, uh, you can currently find us on uh, Twitter at noobs and Knox pod. That's at noobs, the letter N Knox pod. Uh, you can also email us at uh, uh, noobs and knockouts pod uh, at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like to, you know, pop in, say hi, uh, you know, ask questions, recommend episodes, just, uh, just compliment our, our lovely faces that you can definitely see, uh, when you, when you listen to this podcast, um, uh, any, anything, anything like that, we just love to hear from you. Uh, and finally we have a Patreon, um, where, where you can currently subscribe to a, to a $1 tier, help us, uh, help us make a little bit money off this, uh, off this little venture of ours. Uh, and in return, uh, you get shout outs at the end of episodes and early access to episodes. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure more tears and more rewards to come. Uh, but yep. as as always, thank you all so much for tuning in with us. Uh, we are we are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Uh, and you all have a fantastic rest of your day. Yep. Thanks for watching. Hasta luego.